So you've heard a little bit about what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, I remember you t telling me a little bit about it last time we hung out. And the last time we hung out was... We saw La La Land. Was what? <laughs> oh, man. My friends hate how much I talk about that movie. <laughs> you saw me cry. You knew I would cry and you still took me to see that movie, man. That's evil. You know me. Well, I mean, let's use that movie as the base because I like talking about that movie a lot. Me too. Me too. What about that movie hit you hard? Well, definitely the, the ending. That's the much talked about uh, aspect of the movie. Of course, I loved everything about... Uh, the film preceding the ending, of course, the the acting, the chemistry between the actors, the cinematography, you know, everything, the musical numbers that fit uh, fit in seamlessly between the plot. So, um, yeah, just uh, everything about it was great. But specifically the ending scene, I mean, being someone who often describes themselves as a hopeless romantic type person, having been through certain... Um, Harsh realities, because, you know, hopeless romantics, sometimes we get this idealistic sense of what love is and so, should be. let's back up there. So, a hopeless romantic, in your opinion, is someone who, what? Is in love with the idea of love, you know what I mean? Like, they just uh, are so, they're very open-hearted, very excited about the idea of finding a special someone and finding fulfillment in loving someone else and them loving them back. Not necessarily that that's the end-all be-all in life, but it is a significant aspect of it. Like just being very willing and open to the idea of, you know, love being a possibility or uh, existing for you in somebody else. So how does that make it hopeless? How does that make it hopeless? That's the word we call <laughs> out of time is that someone who's looking for love or looking for companionship or looking for the true love is hopeless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we always attach hopeless to romantic? I don't know. I mean, that's just the, that's just how the saying goes. But I, I guess I hadn't thought of it that way. But you're, you are right. I mean, definitely they are the most hopeful of people, right? So hopeless probably is a bit of a misnomer there. But I think just uh, the ending of the movie, striking the chord of how realistic life can be. Sometimes you might not always end up with a person that perhaps you were the most passionate about, the most crazy in love with. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, because people change over time. Maybe that person would have became something that you didn't love eventually. But all we know whenever someone leaves our life is that last image we kind of have of them. That's what made that movie so... The ending so heartbreaking is because the last... The two characters, the last image they have of each other is just, you know, being so crazy about each other. And of course, we don't see how or when their relationship kind of drifted off. But you know, you could see just from the look that they gave each other that there was still that longing, that pain of not having each other in their lives, despite the fact that they both accomplished their dreams. You know, he got his bar, uh, his jazz bar, with a lot of young people. Jazz is reviving, jazz is coming back, and she got fame and accolades and, and fulfillment in her acting career that she sought, including, you know, a, a husband, a loving husband, and a, a beautiful child. So, but yeah, sometimes love isn't always the straight line that we hope it will be. Sometimes it, it there's some detours that might leave us feeling a bit of a sense of regret, but it's all about perspective. You know, it's all about where, yeah, like I said, where you left off before, because if they would have ended on a huge fight or something, that scene might not have had as much punch, you know what I mean? It's just all we know is uh, that last image we have of somebody. So that's kind of a good tie-in, and I love the ending of La La Land, because it's that realism plus combination of everything we talked about, love, change, dreams, passion, all that stuff is wrapped up into this podcast. We're on the fourth episode, somehow, of Insufferably Human. And it kind of, we've talked about that, 
And let's figure out this because the question now I have for you is: When did you realize that you were a hopeless romantic? Let's, <laughs> is was there a moment in time when did you feel like you wanted companionship? Because most people, there's the other side of the coin, which is people are okay with being alone. Right. They don't want that because they've been hit so hard, life mm-hmm. speed them down. They're not confident enough, whatever. But you're confident enough to look for it at least, and you're looking for it. Yeah, no, it's funny you you asked me that. I'm laughing because I recently had a, um, somebody ask me that same question. When did you first realize you were a hopeless romantic? And now I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's such a such a um, hard hitting question. Particularly because I feel like it's not something, at least for me personally, my personal experiences. I'm not even sure it's something I first realized. It's just something I've always kind of lived out. I don't know. Even as a as a small kid, I mean, I just I've always kind of enjoyed the idea of. I think a lot of a lot of. Uh, Hopeless romanticism comes from pop culture and the media and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, we get wrapped up in these these fancy ideas of love and, you know, all the songs, all the books, all the movies we see, the shows. Like, they, they, they serve us this um, idealistic version of love and tell us that that's what we need. And eventually we kind of believe it and then we kind of channel it in our own way. And so I, I think just by osmosis, I kind of, by my surroundings and the things I submerse myself in, being a nerdy awkward child who wasn't always so social well socially adjusted um as a kid just kind of i didn't always find the fulfillment i think in the happiness i was always that i guess a lot of little kids might have i guess in friends you know friends or i you know i didn't have hang out with friends a lot outside of school i didn't hang out with cousins outside a lot of school i was mostly just at home with my siblings who were a lot younger than me and so i guess to fill that in a sense to fill that void i guess in in i kind of sought out the romantic love for pretty much since I was like in middle school, I suppose, just always kind of trying to replace one area that I felt really <laughs> like deficient in, whereas, you know, i.e. being socially, well, socially adjusted, you know, I know I'm, a, I'm, I know you know me when you met me, I'm this very outgoing guy, you know, mm-hmm. very outgoing, very personable, very sociable, but that, that didn't happen overnight. That definitely wasn't who I used to be. And I think a lot of the like literature and songs and everything I, I immersed myself in ended up, you know, so what, spitting back out this whole Because I don't want to get into the exact songs, movie, and all that stuff. But No, and what, I couldn't tell you, I think. But at least what were the ideas and the messages of songs that got you to be braver? That's the key, right? Is that braver, you yeah, put, put yourself out there, there and then you Ooh, became that, <laughs> Now, see, that's a, that's that's a the, process that's in and a, of itself. That's the tipping point. That's a trial. And, that was a bit of a... Uh, comes with time I think or at least for me it came with time I definitely wasn't always a risk taker you know definitely especially because when we're when we're younger we're so self-conscious right like uh, when we're young teenagers we're very very self-conscious about the things we do and the things we say and we get embarrassed very easily um, especially trying to be ourselves especially trying to put our emotions out there but I think the older I got um, and I guess the more confident I became and the less I cared about how I appeared or what people thought I think I just was able to more or less uh, put that out there and be okay with um, <laughs> when you're a hopeless romantic or when you're anybody, but especially when you're hopeless romantic, you're going to face rejection at certain points, right? And so I just had to learn to become okay with that. <laughs> become Like, sometimes you're not always going to get that cute girl's number. Sometimes you're not always going to, things aren't always going to work out the way you want them to, but you got to take that risk in order to get that reward. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be in the game. You got to play the exactly, game. Exactly, exactly. Otherwise, yeah. So for me, it was more of a process. Um... So what I, do you tell yourself? Like, this is kind of like this weird self-healthy bit of the thing I get to. But what do you tell yourself when you hit rejection? Because rejection will come in all different forms. It's no, absolutely. dating, absolutely. jobs, yeah, no, anything. Totally, totally. Well, from a dating standpoint, it's definitely one of those, 
now I know type things. It's like, now I know I took that chance, you know, I put myself out there, didn't work, it didn't work out the way I hoped it would, but now, now I know, so now I can have peace of mind, so now I don't have to worry about that person or that situation anymore. Now, I, now it's the, it's the Schrodinger's cat thing. I open the box, the cat's dead, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, the cat's dead. Like, I guess I shouldn't worry <laughs> if it's alive anymore or not. Now I can move on, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, because whenever you don't, if you have feelings for someone or if you want to, you know, ask someone out or something like that and you don't, um, you just kind of, oh, like you're kind of anxious. You're kind of like, oh, what if I, but what if I do? Like, what if they say yes? You know, and so you worry about it constantly when someone like me anyway worries about it constantly until I do something about it. <laughs> and then if they say, you know, no, or say yes, one way or the other, I'm going to know. That way I can stop having this anxiety. One way or the other, it's going to be quelled by a no or a yes. But so, my guess there is then, how do you not beat yourself up when they say no? It all depends on <laughs> how much you are into the person, how long you've known them, uh, whatever they might have promised you, whatever you expected to get. You know, every situation is definitely different. Um, I, I can't say that I've ever been reject, rejected, like, straight up, just like, no, too badly in terms of the, um, you know, when you ask for someone's number or you ask them out to like lunch or dinner mm-hmm. or something and that hurt too much because those are low stakes kind of like situations you know what i mean so how do you bring that to low stakes that's not a low stake for a lot of people no no no. and like i said it depends on because the, it depends on the person get into no it depends on the you're risking friendships if you're mm-hmm. you know what i mean things like that so it's typically in my experience is never really with someone i've been close friends with for a long time it's someone that i kind of met recently so the stakes are a little bit lower mm-hmm. like it's not someone that you know i'm going to be seeing around all the time or that uh, we're super close, so it might make things awkward. You know, those are, you know, those have different levels. So is that your trick then? Your trick was that you always went out of your friend group and dated outside your friend group or your social circles? <laughs> that's definitely that's... part of it. That's definitely part of it. Um, not that I've never dated someone who's a friend of mine, like first, or who we're always close friends with, or tried to date, because um, that definitely does happen. In my experience, the ones where I've been friends with someone first, and then things didn't work out. Those have been a little more impactful and a little more... Hurt, There's more like, risk devastating. There. Absolutely, absolutely. You really uh, risked quite a bit. You risked a significant change in your relationship to this important person to you, you know, your friend or your close friend or not, um, by trying to date. Obviously, it's always a huge risk, right? So, yeah, in those situations, it's definitely been more difficult facing rejection whenever you decide, oh, like, you know, this isn't going to end up working out or something with someone you actually know who had been something else to you besides someone you had a crush on or something mm-hmm. prior to dating or attempting to date. I mean, that's a little more difficult for sure. The few times I've been through that. So we, we got on this tangent of dating and all that stuff, but I'll kind of bring it back to kind of the idea of romanticizing anything. Right, right. We do that a lot, I feel like. We always, at least America recently, it's always <laughs> oh, really yeah. good about loving and hating things. Mm-hmm. You either love this or hate that. Is there a kind of a middle ground that's worthwhile to stay in, do you think? In terms of... Uh... Affection of stuff. <sighs> I mean... Because it's easy to say, like, I do, I something, go after it, but then you meet that person and they're like a... You put them in your head as 9 out of 10, and they're actually 7 out of 10, now you're devastated. Because <laughs> you build up this beautiful life, and then you, mm-hmm. hit the bumps in, you hit the bumps in life, and that's why you... The hopeless romantic versus the, the realist right, right. versus the cynic... Yeah. Romanticism is like on the left side of optimism. It's near optimism. You always hope for the best. For sure. And it's hard. Do you, do you hope for the best in most things? Absolutely. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I, for better or worse, I'm very, very optimistic about pretty much everything. I don't know if 
you i know that you were in and around a lot at ut mm -hmm. you know working and all kinds of stuff so i'm not sure we got to hang out as much as we would have liked but I, I don't know if you remember i'm just always like just kind of always had this feeling that things are going to work out i'm and in terms of finding that middle ground mm -hmm. i guess that's a, it's easier said than done and it, mm -hmm. it definitely depends on the person mm -hmm. um me i'm a very passionate person the things that i i like or that i love or the people i like or i love i'm very very passionate about it mm -hmm. Um, as you've seen, you know, like just uh, going off on rants about this and that, you know, food or, you know, movies or people. Um, I just love to pour all of myself into whatever, whatever it is that I love or whoever it is that I love. So for me, it's a little more difficult to find that middle ground towards, oh, hey, don't let, you know, your, your optimism, your romanticism, you know, get, carry yourself away. But yeah, as I stated, I mean, you, you, it's, it's a high risk, high reward type deal, love, you know, and if you don't, you get out what you put in. If you don't put in, mm -hmm. you know, all of yourself, or at least for me, if I don't put in all of myself, I feel like I'm not going to get what I could get out of it. Um, and of course, it's always going to be a huge risk, right? You're putting, putting yourself in someone else's hands, your happiness, your hopes, and inevitably some of your fulfillment in somebody else. That's a scary thing. So how do you deal with that catch there? Because that's kind of an opposite opinion of mine where I like to lead my own destiny and lead my do my own things <laughs> when you start dating and all that stuff right. i get that issue in my head all the time of you get caught in this cycle of should i put all myself into that person because is it gonna last it's gonna work out put yourself in a job put yourself in that do you have an example or i guess a moment when you say this will actually work and like it has failed a couple of times but at the same time, oh, yeah. you're still the optimist. I mean, you're more measured op optimism. You are not optimist as a young child. But people I know, you're right. You are one of the most optimist people, most passionate people I know. How do you make sure that doesn't ever become too pessimistic like me? <laughs> <laughs> Man, honestly, it all depends on, um, on how you react to things. And definitely the people in your life are a huge one. Uh, I know I've talked to you about a really, really hard heartbreak I mm -hmm. went through last semester that was extremely difficult uh, it was the first time in a while that i'd really really put myself completely out there letting somebody else be a huge determining factor in what my happiness would be and stuff like that so when that all you know didn't go well didn't go as i hoped it would so suddenly it was really really hard it was really uh, devastating and the weird part the really strange thing about that whole situation is that at first, I was a little bit bitter, of course. At first, I was a little bit pessimistic when I was going through my whole self-loathing slash borderline like depression phase um, because, you know, it, was, it wasn't easy and it all happened so quickly. But once, you know, I got to a place of forgiveness and, I, and I, of course, I had a good support system of, of people to help me, I, I came to the realization that, if anything, this, the, the, the heartbreak I went through was almost like meeting that person was kind of like a good thing because I, I wasn't so sure... It had been so long since I'd felt such hope and optimism, such um, such excitement to to have someone in my life, and such uh, hope that I could find, you know, love or whatever. That you know, even though I was hurting so much, the fact that I was hurting that much was proof that I was still capable of loving that much. So, honestly, it kind of it kind of showed me that I'm I'm still capable of, you know, feeling that that feeling of of hope and optimism and excitement about somebody. And then, you know, I knew, I didn't know, but I just, I guess I just, once I picked up the pieces of myself, I knew going forward that 
I was still able to to uh, feel that again with that with that person and so that you know once the right person came along I don't know if or when that would ever happen but if it did happen that I would be able to not hesitate and not hold back so that's a interesting thing because I like the idea of giving yourself and giving yourself over to somebody else something else anything else because if you don't give you're not going to receive anything back but then the catch is how do you make sure you don't give it to the wrong person or wrong thing or wrong <sighs> thing like do you have a method of that because that's what i struggle with all the time is <laughs> man how to sift through the bs of being naive because we're all naive every single person in the world is naive in something obviously i have no idea what it's like how to discern but what are your some things you found out about i guess okay well i suppose some things i've learned in terms of that is that if you have little doubts about somebody if they if you see little signs that should make you worry, that should make you be concerned about their intentions or their desire to actually build something with you instead of just kind of wasting your time or kind of mm-hmm. feeling them feeling a void of loneliness that's only going to be temporary and then they're going to get rid of you or something. If there's, if you have those little concerns, two things can happen. One, you can, you can bring them up. Mm-hmm. You can bring them up to that person and communicate with them like an adult. And they are going to bullshit you, and they're going to lie to you, and they're going to say, no, like, that's not, that's not the case at all. Like, you know, you, you don't have to worry about that. Or, or they'll overreact and be like, you know, oh, I can't believe you don't trust me. I can't believe you're doubting me. Wow, I'm so hurt that you would think that. You know what? Well, or, or um, yeah, so, so either that's going to happen, or, or they're going to, you know, lie to you and, and whatever. Or um, you can not bring it up. You can just not bring up these concerns you have. And they're going to explode like a huge bomb in your face later on, which is exactly what happened to me. You can, you can, you can just, you can think to yourself, you know what? I'm not going to be paranoid. I'm going to let myself be happy. Pa- that's paranoid me talking. You know, ah, like get out of my way. Let me enjoy my happiness, paranoid me. You know, don't, don't. Your insecurities are trying to find reasons to screw it up because you're not used to being happy. You're used to things going wrong, and so you're seeking out reasons for it to go wrong. But guess what? We're not doing that. Because that's just paranoid nonsense. And then later on, you find out, you know, that's you. that was a lot bigger deal than you even imagined at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's going to just it snowballed into this huge mess, this huge thing that's going to explode later on. So, so when it comes to discerning who's really has well intention for you and isn't wasting your time, it's almost impossible to know, especially in my experience, because I, I've met, you know, and been in situations where... The person did everything right and said everything right. But then all of a sudden, you know, these little nagging things that I refused to bring up because I didn't want to ruin my happiness, quote unquote, uh, ended up actually being real problems that if I would have brought them up, like I said, they would have either been denied and I would have been called, you know, insecure or, or paranoid. Or, you know, if I didn't bring them up like I didn't, they became this huge issue that made it all go to shit in the end, basically. So I guess that's the key is that from your experience and from a little bit of my experience, when you bring up problems, they think you're overreacting because it's a very small thing. Or you could be right. And they're going to tell you you're overreacting anyway because they are trying to downplay things and, of course, BS you. Like, you know what I mean? You you could be overreacting. Mm-hmm. Like, you very well could be. I'm not saying I've never done that because I definitely have. But even if you have a legit concern... You know what I mean? They're going to deny it or they're going to downplay it. And you're going to feel stupid regardless. Mm-hmm. You know? 
But gonna, so there has to be a way, and I believe, fully believe that there has to be a way to broach a subject like that and, and make it work out, because that's how you figure shit out and work shit out. That's how oh, I see a lot of successful couples work shit out, is that when you, I mean, when you bring up problems, <laughs> you guys sit down and figure it out, yeah, and you sure. have your first fight. Usually that's the first, after the honeymoon, is what that was when your first fight happens, and yeah, if you sure. can make it through that first hump, mm-hmm. you're closing in on what is what I call good relationship. For sure, for sure. And uh, a lot of that, I mean, communication is definitely important. You're not going to always agree on everything. I'm under no illusions of that, of course. It's just a matter of being honest with someone and meaning meaning that honestly. Don't be. Don't make it a fake honesty. Don't make it a only the things you see on the surface. That's what you know them to be true. And as far as the facts that are there, you know that to be true. You know, it's like everything is out there. There's no you know hiding. There's no secrets. There's no you know miscommunication things like that. It's a lot easier said than done for sure. But I think distance has a lot to do with it. I've been in a lot of long distance relationships. Communication is key, and sometimes it breaks down. And so. And it takes an emotional toll on you. Whereas I feel like the successful couples we know have definitely been short distance, have definitely, you know, see each other every day, spend a lot of time together, at least in some significant capacity. Shout out to I know y'all had a lot of long distance, but eventually y'all had that time where y'all could come together so and spend a lot of time one-on-one. Whereas I feel like I definitely have been kind of devoid of that in a lot of my relationships, so... I think that's what's made mine a little more tricky, a little bit more difficult to, to communicate because, yeah, distance is hard. Eventually, it becomes, it's emotionally draining, and both people got to be really committed to, to making it a thing. So. And then it's the old honesty of how much commitment you're actually committing. That's the key to mm-hmm. you. Being honest with them and with yourself about how much you really are willing to put into it and how much you really do want to make it work because, you know. Because no one wants to break a happy thing. Because happiness, it's good enough. It's better than being alone. It's better than this. This is exactly. the first thing in a while that's been working out. I don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. The mentality that I see, it's it's relationships is the amplification of when you go to class at a university and you have your seat. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's my seat. And when someone else sits in it, you're like, ah, I don't really... What the heck, man? That's where I sit. Like, I know it's not a sign, but like, that's where I always sit. That's my seat. And relationships yeah. are usually like that where you want to keep it good for sure but yeah in long distance especially i mean it's it's a huge thing about relationships is sharing experiences with each other having the same people in your life you know mutual mutual friends it's shown that couples that have mutual friends stay together longer than those who don't so mutual friends is important but that's um, a way too though <laughs> a lot of things like that i mean it's just um yeah that you get the catch away too so now you get mutual friends then your relationship has more in line and then Kind and of. No, no, no. Honestly, you're right. The stakes get grown grow. That's why people will date. It's recommended, based on my experience and your experience, don't date your friends. Oh, yeah. That's, because ah, that's it, tricky. Because yeah, it's a sure. very tricky line. But at the same time... That things tri- end, it's ugly. But if it doesn't end, it's better because... It's amazing, it. yeah. Because you can share fully like your whole life with somebody. Now, here's the thing about long distance is that eventually, a lot of times that I've seen anyway, one person will push the other person away. And then the other person notices that they're being pushed away. And so they freak out and they get really upset. And they're like, and they bring it up. Why are you pushing me away? Like, what's going on? And the other person's like, I'm not pushing you away. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Try playing dumb, even though that's exactly what they mean. But that's they how- don't want to be the one to end it. Like yeah. you said, like that comfort that, you know, 
but but low key they're like, eh, but this is really what I want, and then so they're, they're gonna make because they don't want to they don't want to break up with the person, they don't want to be a bad guy, they don't want to hurt somebody, mm-hmm. so they kind of push the other person away. Well, they rationalize it. They say they don't want to hurt that person, but by wasting their time, you can rationalize. Yeah. That's my other rationality is that you could rationalize that you waste each other's time, so you should end it now. For There's sure. no point wasting each other's time, so when you start pushing away, just cut it. <laughs> right, and well, ideally, I guess that would be the case, right? There's less BS that way. Everything's out out there. But eventually, the other person will start to push away, and then the per- the first person that started pushing will get exactly what they wanted, which is more distance, which is more you know that 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 bond will be severed even more, and they won't even have to do all the heavy lifting. You know, they'll feel a peace of mind like, oh, okay, like I didn't have to be an asshole, I didn't have to hurt anybody. I kind of did the first part, I played it off, you know, kind of made the other person seem insecure and crazy, and then so they did the rest, and now my hands are clean. Now Pontius Pilate, sh- wash my hands, and hey, guess what? Things just didn't work out because they didn't work out. As opposed to you, you know, just splitting straight up. Because that's hard. People don't like being the bad guy. People don't like being seen as, as bad. And it's not always because people are bad. It's because, like, it comes from a place of weakness. You know what I mean? It comes from a place of, they just, yeah, they just, it's a desire to keep things as easy as they can, convenient as they can be. Um, and, and people don't like going through the trouble of hurting someone else's feelings and trying to placate them and trying to let them down easy. And I guess that's the... What causes the months of silence and usually the yeah. phrasing always go when you break up, you're be- being broken up for months before that because it's convenient and they're just waiting. They're playing the waiting game. It's like, we'll oh. be fine. We'll just wait. And then mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen overnight. Like, the band does, does, usually doesn't get ripped off. Usually that last fight, even though it's the worst fight, it's a breakup fight. That's been brewing for the past couple months or weeks or whatever. It feels like a band-aid at the time mm-hmm. to, to one person. But then when you look back in your time, both parties will see it. Oh, he's been pushing me away for this long. Oh, I've been waiting for this. Yada, yada. Like, been the going signs bad. Yeah. always there when you are ending total breakup. Absolutely. It doesn't, yeah, very rarely. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but at least not in my experience, it doesn't happen overnight. There are always those seeds that were planted long, long before that. It doesn't happen. Something huge, something monumental and catastrophic has to happen for it to happen just like that, you know, in the blink of an eye. For things to be going perfectly... Um, and then all of a sudden, no, like, no, that's rarely the case. Usually there's a lot of little things that add up or one big thing that continues to not be addressed or not be addressed properly that just boils over. And, uh, I guess that's the logic question I'm asking now. I don't have much dating experience. I'm young still and we're both young. Yes, for sure. But I guess it's the idea of convenience. Yeah, that's a huge one. Is convenience like what makes people push people away take the easy path they want it's that the convenience factor they don't want to change things they don't want to be a bad guy it's i guess i'm curious about where that thing that mentality does that come from culture does it come from just our self-image of ourselves? because all comes back to i don't want to be the one to cut this off right. it's, it's a a good thing and b i don't want to be the bad guy right no convenience is huge huge driving force and why people stay and why people leave at the same exact time <sighs> humans are creatures of habit you know, we like to keep things status quo. So if something's convenient, even if it's, even if it's, eh, not, not, we're not fully excited about it or passionate about it. At least it's convenient. At least it's, you know, simple. And I know what the deal is and I can just keep, keep it in my life without frustrating me too much, without being too much of a negative. Um, but conversely, if something becomes inconvenient, if a relationship becomes too much work to one person or to both, if it just feels like more work than it's than it's worth and you're getting out um, or if the person in some way becomes inconvenient to you you try to find those little you try to slowly inch towards the door you got your hand on the doorknob you're trying to like slowly slowly sneak out because it's inconvenient because a lot of times people just don't want to it's a lot easier to push someone away than it is to tell them hey like i'm sorry i just don't feel like 
we're going we're right we're in the right direction i don't feel like you're the right person for me i don't feel the same way i used to feel that's hard and especially like you said if you have mutual friends that makes it even more difficult because they're gonna tell your mutual friends and it's gonna be this whole thing and all this dramatic mess so a lot of times people will just you know it's more convenient to kind of just push someone away slowly even if it drags something out even if you're leaving someone on for weeks or months at a time i mean at least you don't have to have that uncomfortable conversation people will do anything <laughs> to avoid an uncomfortable conversation they they just you know they will they will do backflips before they tell you <laughs> that they don't feel the same way they feel because mm-hmm. that is just hard that is it's hard for someone to hear and it's hard to say um and then you have to you have to deal with them the you know you have to explain yourself and you have to well and not, people don't want to explain themselves people just want convenience they just want in the simplest least bothersome way to go about their lives with everything and anything, especially relationships. So that's like that's the toughest thing to wrap up my mind around because that just means that humanity's crappy. <laughs> Man, it, it's, yeah, it's, it feels crappy to say that most people are selfish. Most people are inconvenient, um, driven by let's make anything convenient. That's what Wall we predicted at the end of the war is that people could be <laughs> fat asses in their floating chairs because it's convenient. Mm-hmm. But that seems so hopeless when you look at kind of the. Much humanity, how we invented stuff, got to the moon, did so many amazing things and so many good stories about good things. And if you look at religion, look at movies, look at history, anything, humanity looks hopeful. For but sure. then if you look at each of us individually, <laughs> the tropes, look at Snapchat, look at Facebook, look at anything we do, it's easy to paint the picture that our generation is hopeless. Right. Well, <laughs> or, yeah. or inauthentic, so thereby we're, we like convenience more than we like doing the right thing. For sure. And perhaps it's not even a generational thing. I mean, it's definitely just, it's just on a very human level. People are very self-serving. People always want to look out for themselves. And that's why we get into relationships in the first place, right? Like, no, I can't, like, your first thought when you get into a relationship, like, when you first start liking someone at the most basic level, it's not that I can't wait to bless that person's life. It's like, damn, like, what can that person do for me? How can they make me happy? Like, they're physical features or their you know that your your emotional connection to that person or what you think they could become to you they fill that's, a void in you you're not looking to fill a void in them that's yeah that's not always your first thought eventually yeah. you you will get there to that point where oh like i want to make them happy i want to make their lives better i want to be there for them i want to support them mm. that i'm not saying that's not a thing of course it is right i mean we friends are like friendships are like that you know relationships to your, to your family and to your significant others definitely in, involves a certain selfless I, I want, what can I do for you? How can I be there for you? Type thing. Mm-hmm. But the very foundation of a romantic endeavor is the first building block is what can that person do for me? <laughs> How can they make my you know life happier or better? So once you cut all that other stuff away, all you're left with is the base, which is how can they make me happy? How can what can they do for me? And once there's when that once that base is empty, they once you feel like they can't make you happy or they can't do something for you, mm-hmm. then they become and inconvenience they become something that you have to kind of in the least painful way possible try and get rid of so then that's like the issue then the issue is that you're looking for someone to fill your gaps initially yeah it's that's what drive that's the driving force not not necessarily gaps not necessarily like they're a thing but je- definitely from a how so, can they make me happy standpoint how can they make me happier yeah either sexually emotionally physically whatever 100 percent, yeah but i guess how do we retool that to make it more like what you're thinking of what's the phrasing can we rephrase that in a better way because what you're looking for is you're looking for someone to grow up with and be with and be romantic and actually get the idealized 
hopeless version of romance, not the <laughs> selfish version of romance, because right, the sure. whole idea is to be selfless. At the same time, you still look look for yourself. What's the phrasing there? Because it seems too harsh to say that everyone's selfish. Yeah, I guess so. I just think that uh, the selfish thing is definitely what drives us all initially um, in a lot of ways. But love is definitely more complicated than that, right? Love is definitely more uh, all-encompassing. It's not, it shouldn't ever be selfish in any way. I mean, that's it's even in the Bible. <laughs> it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be selfish. And you definitely got to reach a point where a key thing in a relationship, I think, is both people wanting the same kind of relationship. I think that's I think that's a very oft overlooked aspect. Some people want a relationship that is super clingy and super, you know, jealous and controlling, right? Tell me where you are at all times. Don't hang out with that person. Do what I say. Things like that. Or they have expectations that they don't explain easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of expect you to know, and then when you don't know, they blow up on you or something. Uh, some people want like me. <laughs> I'd prefer one that's, you know, patient and a little more understanding and filled with, uh, you know, how can I make your life and your day better? How can I bless your life? How can we do that for each other? How can we help each other become better versions of each other? Not just for each other, but for our families and for ourselves and, you know, me being a Catholic for God. You know, I mean, just in a, in a becoming for me, becoming better is, is the key to that. Mm-hmm. Wanting to be I always want to be a better person. And so finding someone that... Um, not not as your motivation. I don't like the when when people say you're my motivation. Talking about the romantic other, that's lame. Like they shouldn't be your motivation, but they should want you to become a better you, and you should want them to be a better them. Where'd you learn that from? What that motto? That motto is a very nice motto. I like it a lot. That's why I like La La Land a lot. Making each other better. Yeah. Type of thing? Ah, I mean, where did you get that from? Because that's not the what movies movies no, tell. No, definitely that's not. not. What a lot uh, of things say. I, I think a lot of that has to do with um, my. My Catholic friends that mm-hmm. I made at UT, um, you know, always uh, talking about how we need to be better versions of each other. And I think myself, personally, ha- I've just always been, for lack of a better term, just drawn to, like, greatness. Drawn to things that are very, things and people that I perceive to be successful or great. or You know, and I want to strive for that. I want to surround myself with the smartest people and the most successful people and, and put myself in situations that... I can become a better, you know, smarter, more successful version of myself. So that's why I, yeah, that's why I loved being at UT because I, I was just so, I was around, I was surrounded, you know, coming from a small town. Mm-hmm. Everyone, uh, for better or worse, just, you know, they kind of want to stay home and, you know, note like with the lives that they've, their parents lived and, you know, just things like that have the, with the same people they grew up with. And which is fine, you know, for me being, as long as you're happy and fulfilled, that's all that matters. And for some people, that's, that's what, what they need to be that's happy with. That's what they think is yeah, better. Absolutely. And, and that's great. You know, I mean, that's, that's wonderful. Um, but for myself personally, I've just always sought something more, um, wanted to meet new people, go new places, things like that. So surrounding myself with really smart people. And, you know, I feel like I was very, very mature when I first came to UT. Um, extremely so. More so than a lot of you guys, because I think y'all had a lot of, you know, more mature friends and life experiences than I had had. But I feel like I've been able to grow over time into a more mature person, into a you know better version of me, thanks to you and well, thanks I mean, to a lot of other people. I still I've want to met. go back to that thing. Is there, because I was religious for a good, good chunk of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any story of that stuff, just talking about making each other better. Mm-hmm. There's always some punishment, there's always something, but there's never been a story, from my memory of the Bible, 
about people making each other better. Right. And I so def- yeah. how does that message get through to them? And how do you what did you how do you all phrase it? Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Uh, I don't remember a certain Bible mm-hmm. verse being cited or anything. Mm-hmm. I just it's just this idea that we're called for greatness and we're called to strive for more than what the world tells us we should strive for. You know, in terms of personal fulfillment and growth, um, not to ever be feel like it's it's part of it is humility. Humility is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. To have the humility to say, "Hey, I'm not perfect. Hey, I still have a lot to learn and I still have a lot of room to grow." Mm-hmm. That's a huge, huge one. And you know, I was blessed to come to the University Catholic Center at a time where everybody kind of is stressing this whole sense of humility, this humble sense of attitude. You know, Pope Francis is a very humble mm-hmm. man himself, permeates that humility towards the Catholic Church. And so everyone has this idea of, hey, what can we do better? How can we continue to grow? Instead of saying, we're done, we got God, what are y'all, What can y'all do, world, to be more <laughs> like us? Like, no, nah, that's evil, that's hateful, that's, mm-hmm. that's what drives people away from the Church and mm-hmm. from Christianity and what makes people resent uh, Christians in the first place. No, I mean, what we need is, as humans, for me, it's not even a religious thing. It's just a very human thing, mm-hmm. being humble and, and willing to say that I want to keep being a better version of me and make everyone else around me better if I can, you know, encourage them to be better without, of course, being a jerk about it. Don't be rude. Don't be, hey, like, don't be critical, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of uh, by your example and by your love and support, try to help people elevate themselves to a better version of themselves. So what's the point of being critical? Because I was critical to you. You could say that when I called you out. Is that being critical? Because we talked, when, back when we first talked, I called you out on, you said you're hopeless romantic, but you're doing right. not romantic things. Right, right. No, I mean... Is that um, being critical? Because I feel like that's No, to like, a, and to a certain degree, yeah. you kind of... There's a, there's a difference between being critical and being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to consider the source, first of all. Mm-hmm. You are one of my dearest friends, so of mm-hmm. course, you telling me how it is, mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was, if I didn't know you that well, and you were telling me that, I would be very upset. You know, I would have, I would have taken that very the, much the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So the source is huge. Mm-hmm. Also, it's the source, and it's also the truth behind the words. So what you're saying was true. So it's not like you were, you were reaching, it's not like you were being unnecessary, it's not like you were being uh, hurtful. Also, the way you said it, you know, you, you, like I said, you weren't trying to, to hurt my feelings. You were trying to help me. Um, regardless, it might not have been the most gentle thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you, you, you shouldn't always be gentle. Different people, different situations demand different levels of gentleness. Sometimes people need to be a uh, shoulder to cry on. Sometimes they need, you know, to be prodded and to be pushed in the right direction a little more forcefully. <laughs> so um, that's huge. And of course... Finally, the other person reciprocating that criticism needs to realize already or in that moment that they do have something that, that is wrong that they need to work on. Um, all these factors need to come together, all these things, because if one of them is missing, then you're just going to have an argument yes. <laughs> come out of that. You know, it was you, one of my yeah. close friends. It came from a loving place. You were just mm-hmm. being honest. In that situation, I didn't need someone to baby me. I needed someone to wake me up. And I, of course, already had a, I was already pretty cognizant of the fact that I was hurting myself. Mm-hmm. So all these things came together and, you know, so criticism, I think, in a, in the negative way is just kind of not trying to help somebody. You're just trying to put them down. You're just trying to hurt them um, as opposed to, you know, what uh, with you and I sometimes it's just more you trying to help me get there mm-hmm. more quickly because I'm not going to, you know, get there by, you know, coddling or anything like that. And I guess that's my thing. I hate dating this a lot, but coddling is a very thing that I don't enjoy now because it's so prevalent now. Everyone needs to be coddled. Everyone needs to be censored. You can't say this, can't say that. Thou shall not, you know, use the <laughs> N-word. Thou shall not refer to me in the proper pronoun. Oh, <laughs> All yeah, this yeah. stuff about, 
the sensitivity of this ward now is interesting to me. My idea is that how do you help somebody in a in the right way? Is like we all know how to comfort people, sort of cry on listening, and then those two things are easy to do in my opinion. Listening and being the person, but then how do you tell someone to move the butt without <laughs> being called the asshole? Right, right. No, I mean you've always been a blunt person yeah. too, for sure, since and, I've known you. And that's that's because you know me. Because you always keep saying the source. The source is very interesting to me because the source is very an interesting thing. Because we have all these people we listen to, like Oprah, all these people that we don't know. <laughs> that's true. People Honestly, listen to true. all these people, the celebrities that they don't know. But they take their awards over people they know. Because they don't know them. <laughs> they have a degree. But we all know degrees are BS. <laughs> uh, I mean, not, not all degrees, but you know what I mean. No, no, no. Like, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Why do they listen to to the big talking heads more yeah. than the people in their lives? Ah, I mean, sometimes people are just willfully blind. They they don't actually want help. They want to be reaffirmed. Mm-hmm. They want that. They already have their minds made up, and mm-hmm. they just kind of want that validation mm-hmm. about what they feel. They they and that's you know that's stubbornness. That's the opposite of humility. Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of growing as a person. And ironically, I mean, that, that permeates towards all aspects of life, kind of like politics. Why do, why do certain people watch Fox versus mm-hmm. MSNBC, right? It's like they want validation for what they already think. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't want to be pushed or challenged. Um, I'm not saying that that's necessarily true of every person who mm-hmm. partakes in either of those networks. It's just we flock towards something that makes us um, feel like we're right because we're all searching for this sense of validation that what we're doing isn't a waste of time, that what we believe is right, is mm-hmm. true. And that everyone else is wrong. Everyone who thinks differently than us is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the people who are just seeking out validation for, for their beliefs or for their actions, that's just, that's definitely the opposite of humility. And, and I definitely have always appreciated the people who have not been afraid to tell me, hey, you know, you're messing up. What you're not doing is, you know, right. And, you know, things like that. Um, because But the phrase of it has to be key because... 100%. 100%. So, like, how do you... Because that's my biggest issue because I'm the devil's advocate for most things. I will fight both sides of this thing because I like learning and learning is being invalidated and changing your views of stuff and pushing and pulling and since you're one of the nice people I know how do you push and pull in the right way what are your some lessons that you've learned how to be humble but then also have positive critiques give each other shit all the time and it's great Mm -hmm. and that the world should be okay with throwing shit at each other Verbally, not actual shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope like the thing we've evolved a little bit from that time. But the idea um, of always, because it's the self-critiquing that you do need. It's the, re, it's the affirmation of your friends. Obviously, that's great. But we all are fine. I feel like our generation were fine. So now the question is, now how do we humble ourselves? How do we help somebody else so become I, humble? How do we make, make sure that our egos don't get blown up? Because our egos are huge, in, our, in my opinion. Man, I mean, I, I guess that just depends on, like I said, the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. If you surround yourself with, you know, yes men and people who are going to see your, maybe your worst qualities and, and not tell you about mm-hmm. them or even worse, encourage them, mm-hmm. that's huge. I think I've been definitely been blessed to have people who, um, if I make up, if I make a mistake or something, they, they'll definitely tell me about it and express their concerns as opposed to continuing that, allowing me myself to continue that uh, behavior. Uh, but you know not everybody's so lucky a lot of people have uh, friends who uh, encourage or turn a blind a willful blind eye towards uh, somebody maybe acting a way that they they know is wrong or that they shouldn't be so yeah it is just it de- a lot of it depends on who we surround ourselves with we're, I, we're a reflection of the people in our lives and i guess sure. how how did you figure out to surround yourself people with people like me and people like your friends like how do you pick us like what were your 
ideologies when you've met people because we met on totally random chance and we did we people, all did and i love yeah. telling people that story because it's so random i mean it was just a just the luck of the draw that you enables all these people but yeah so we made friends based on <laughs> where we went so right. it's well, like kind of. we don't I mean, really have but, choice but in think about it this ourselves. way think about it this way though it's like if we didn't have common interests yeah. or if we didn't laugh together laughter is huge for me yeah. for anything it's like my family you know we laugh all the time you know us and our group of friends we have so many hilarious memories and for me you know the number one most attractive quality somebody can have is a sense of humor like if somebody can make me laugh oh my gosh like and if we can laugh like idiots together about anything and everything that's that's the number one most attractive thing because i love laughing and laughing is like pure jubilation and happiness and you know escape from you know the the pressures of just everything like it kind of it it relieves tense moments and it makes you know it can turn uh, it lines the mood literally it, lines the mood. Literally it, 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 it just makes everything a lot better and so um we all laugh together all of us all in in you know we all met in jester mm-hmm. like all of us enjoyed each other's company of course if we didn't have common interests if we but we don't have common interests really <laughs> we have a think lot about of, it. we have a lot of them but we have a lot of different, different ones. ones and that was yeah. and that's cool too i love i love how despite how different all of us were mm-hmm. different creeds different nationalities different uh geographic you know uh homes so to speak mm-hmm. that we all still really came together and we also really enjoyed each other's mm-hmm. company because of the common interests that we had you know that mm-hmm. united us more than all the things that made us different because yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's 50% chance, 50% laughter at that point For in time. sure, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just the laughter is an is a all-uniting thing. If mm-hmm. people can find similar ground in terms of what they enjoy having, what they enjoy doing, first of all, because most of us weren't very, like, huge party people, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, which is rare. I mean, yes, we all met by chance, but even if after we had all met, we didn't have a good interaction with each mm-hmm. other or something, we, we definitely wouldn't have kept hanging out because we all enjoyed each other's company. Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking about that the other day about how how he spent the last like three things he was in my house like he's one of my closest friends mm-hmm. in the world and it's like you know he was dating a friend of yours who just happened to live down the hall yeah. and you know he lives in San Jack. I mean just all these other things like I could have easily not met or you mm-hmm. you know um, if I had been on a different floor of Jester or a different wing for God's sakes but somehow we were all just there um, uh, but you didn't even live in Jester, right? You lived in yeah. Moorhill, right? Or no? Uh, I lived in some other dorm. I oh, okay, okay. It's like we all but you were friends Mm-hmm. So that's how, yeah, there you go. See, it's like I could easily not be sitting here with yeah. you right now if they had put in Sanjak or 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 the Castilian or something. But all these things that like come together, it's pretty crazy. But then, like now, grown out of the convenience of being in the same building on the same campus, mm-hmm. we don't ever see each other. We still talk. We try to, but vaguely. There was not, never going to be the same night again. We're all up at like midnight playing, smashing up. It was all chilling or walking back from Sixth Street or walking anywhere. Right. There's never going to be those times again. I guess my question is, and just in general, because now we're in that phase where I hope we don't hit that BS time where we always see each other when we get married. Because that's going to suck. <laughs> it's funny it you say like that. that. Yeah, it's, it it, I mean, like we literally are all going to see each other in wedding but in that's a the first months. time we ever get together It'll be the first time we've like gotten two years, two years since we graduated. Something's yeah. wrong with that, in my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of life circumstance. I mean, you know, all, a lot of us... Now, work in different places. Work schedules are, are a bitch, right? Uh, we still have families that we gotta go see. We, we, still have, got... we have weekends. We have time. We can make time, technically speaking. No, no, no. You're right. I mean, it's just like when we all have our different places we are, different obligations, different relationships we gotta nurture, different people that need our attention, different tasks that need our attention. It's just hard to find that perfect storm of 
ah, like here's a time where all of us can come together, you know. Like, I was in Arizona now, you know, to grad school in DC and working in Dallas. Mm -hmm. I'm going to you and I'm going to law school here. You you work here. Mm -hmm. So like we're all, you know, just kind of a little bit scattered. Um, not, on, to on, not on top that of much though, like it's yes, I don't know, not, not too badly, and which which is awesome. Like mm -hmm. thank goodness it's not nothing too crazy. Definitely just enough to where. We can all see each other like a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. but not. It's harder to get all seven or so people all together because we're just you know doing different life things, different different places. It's a little tricky. And it's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be very unaware that we all get together, but that's the effort that we gotta put in, right? For sure. And I'm glad we've it's... been able to keep in touch more or less, mm -hmm. like everybody you know with the Facebook group and mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. But it's mild compared to what we actually achieved and all of the crazy stories that we actually had. There hasn't been a crazy story yet with all of us in, in a place in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, and I miss that, but I understand that it's, it's part past, of kind of like a passing season. Unfortunately, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's part of life sometimes. But, but I mean, then that's the thing about life, and I guess this is the question I have. Since we're approaching this next five or ten years, we're all going to be settled down somewhere, somehow. Either married or still vagabonding. going to be... <laughs> Distant from the married people, married people would be boring. Is friendship just based on location? It feels like it. Uh, well, I mean, that all kind of ties back to the the theme of convenience that we were mm -hmm. speaking of earlier. Yeah. Uh, convenience is the, uh, the driving force to a lot of things in our life. Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, convenience does drive friendship, um, but not necessarily in a negative way. It's just like, like I mentioned, it's just sometimes it's just really difficult to get everybody together we're just mm. in different place we got different different things we're doing so we <laughs> invariably we're gonna spend more time with the people, at the, around, with us. The people around us and the places around us right mm -hmm. like i i can't just go to the statue of liberty whenever i feel like it but somebody that lives in manhattan mm -hmm. sure can you know what i mean it's just what where where we can see and what we can see and who we can see it's just all a lot of it is largely dependent on what's within our grasps um, oh, we have technology no, we, we do. FaceTime, we can we Google Hangout. And... Man, but even that's a struggle, right? You even yeah. saw both times y'all set up a Google yeah. Hangout. I was like driving or I was busy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just it's just hard to get us all, you know, together um, mm -hmm. in that sense. So I just, we just got to make the most of the time we, we do ever get together mm -hmm. and try to keep in touch the best we can. While also being happy for each other and encouraging each other to make the most of our lives, you know, that's that's currently there. Because I love my friends in law school. I, I've made such good mm -hmm. friends there. And I'm so grateful to have that community. Um, at UT, so grateful to have that community. You know, I didn't focus as much on my friends back home when I was there. Because mm -hmm. I was just so busy, like, enjoying y'all's company and everybody there. Mm -hmm. um, and building those friendships and, and making the most of them. And uh, same thing with law school, you know. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to all focus on each other as much. Because we're all living life and going to grad school or working. But, uh, you know, I've really made the most of the time I've, I've had with my friends in law school and things like that. You know, it's just kind of like make the most of where you are type thing. Because otherwise, you're going to if you're looking back too much or if you're stretching yourself too thin, you're going to miss what's right in front of you a lot of the time, which is a shame to me. But the right in front of you changes so much that it's it does. like because we all have a best friends from our lifetime. You probably have a friend, you know, and your family is probably your brothers are going to be your life lifelong friends. For sure. But like there's such a thing as the best friends all this stuff that will travel throughout your whole life mm -hmm. the friends we have in season the friends we have for a lifetime it just seems so not sinful but just wasteful to say okay now my my attention is going to flip around to 90% 10% because these people are more convenient right and it, no it all depends even on even though you have more memories with these other people but you for sure it's this balance act of trying to say I want to keep 
and make lifelines to all my event, my pieces in life because it's going to be cool someday to see if they actually exist or not. For sure. By yeah. saying that my zone of friendship is dependent on who's my next door neighbor, sounds really depressing. No, and, and of course, like I said, it all depends on how you connect with those people mm-hmm. um, it, that are that are conveniently around you. Mm-hmm. If you don't connect with them very well, you'll be more prone to want to keep in touch and reach out to the people that you were close to that maybe you live a little further away and that's but fine. But those people who live further away are connected with those people and then now you become a bother because now they're busy spending time spending with the co-workers people around them. Uh, I mean, it depends, right? Yeah. I mean, so it, it definitely depends on the friendship. It's like this crazy math there mm-hmm. where you have to like balance out people yeah. you're in life now with there and that's a weird balance because I feel like over time it's going to shift completely to people who are just around you even though we have this awesome thing called a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. We have yeah, Facebook cell phone all the stuff that we can communicate any time of the day, but somehow we like to be around the people that are just around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems like a shame, at least. Ah, I mean, I guess we're just all still in the adjustment phase. Um, it's been two years. Towards that's halfway through halfway through college. We Cause a lot of us, no, because a lot of us. I mean, yeah. still in school. I'm still in mm-hmm. school. I know you've been working. Yeah. Since, you and and mm-hmm. have been working since we graduated, but. You know, for a little, other of us, we're still in that weird transition, right? So it's just mm-hmm. going to be a little bit, bit more tricky to just get up and kind of say, yeah, let's all travel together. Let's all have a weekend together where we go mm-hmm. here or something. Uh, I can't wait to, to mm-hmm. have the time where I have the money and the time to be able to do stuff like that mm-hmm. because I do miss you guys terribly. But there's nothing wrong with, like I said, just kind of supporting and, and, and keeping in touch with and being happy for the people that you are super close to but unfortunately are a little bit further away geographically. There's nothing wrong with that. And also, like immersing yourself into the community and the people that that give you happiness and fulfillment and love uh then and there you know in your close proximity because i know i'm here i feel like i'm here by myself most of the Mm -hmm. time i drive to school by myself i Mm -hmm. get grocery shopping by myself Mm -hmm. i study by myself i go to the movies by myself a lot of the time (laughs) because i just feel like it i'm by myself a lot of the time here and so to have my close friends in law school you know support me and be there for me and um, stuff like that. That means a lot to me, you know, because as much as they would like, uh, all of the all of our, our group, our close group of friends from UT or my close group of friends or people that I have from home that are close to, they can't be there for me the same way that people here can. You know what I mean? I can't just get up and go to the movies with them or, you know, get lunch with them or things like that. And I mean, it's it's not a shifting of priority. Um, it's not like those people become less important. It's just your your focus uh, changes based on where you're at. Uh, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if we all lived in the same city, we'd all love to spend time with each other all the time. Of course we would, just like we used to. But uh, it's just, you got to take life as it goes. You, it doesn't always give you exactly what you want and who you want. But the, that's like going against the whole mantra we talked about before of being better people. How so? Because better people say you want to beat the world. The world says this is the standard. We're better than the standard. Interesting. Right? I mean, we, talked, we, we talked about that a little bit where you say hmm. we want to be better than the standard. Right. The standard is you is have your what? college friends, they vanish, and you have no, your work friends. No, no. That's I mean, kind of the standard. No, that's definitely not, but that's not what I'm thinking, though. At least that's not how I approach it. That's but not that, how but I that's see how, it. That's how what, it's, what it like looks like now, right? Like, we don't see each other that often. We, the first time right. we're going to see each other is a wedding. Right. First time we're going to see these people is the next wedding, probably, and stuff like that. It's going to just keep right. doing that if we don't do anything about it. Right. And, and ideally, we could. Doing, yeah, yeah. But we're all making moves. We're all trying to... I mean, I'm still trying to set up my future here, you mm-hmm. know, figuring out when I'm going to take what bar and what job I'm going to have and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a little more moving parts. Um, trying to balance spending time with family mm-hmm. versus, you know, friends versus, you know, relationships, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's just a little more tricky. But there's more to juggle. Yeah. And, but to me, I don't see that as a... 
not striving to be better. I mean, we also keep in touch as much. We're doing the best we can. Here's the thing. I don't mm. feel like any of us are shortchanging each other. Mm. I don't feel like I'm shortchanging or they're shortchanging me. I don't feel like like you and I are doing that to each yeah. other or Kyra and Brian. We're all trying the best we can to keep mm. in touch with each other because we love each other dearly. Mm. And we made so many great memories together. And I hope we still mm. make many more. So if, if, if some of us were flaking mm. and like pushing each other away and deleting numbers and deleting mm. people on Facebook and not responding to texts or mm. calls... Or not, you know, wanting to make plans or flaking on plans. That's that'd be what you're yeah. talking about. That'd be concerning to me in terms of, like you said, kind of pushing college friends away and and you know, like uh, like our parents that we talk about them, like our parents talk about their old friends they haven't seen in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. That would be an issue for me. But for like sure. I have friends like that that I've splintered off from college. Mm-hmm. Lucky for us that we're the quote unquote better class. Well, because we because we have the we were so close we lived yeah. together we lived together we literally lived together um, but like I guarantee you, you probably have friends that you split it off and we haven't talked to in two years and I'm not going to talk to ever again unless they reach out to you not, maybe not, yeah not consciously I'm not consciously, consciously thinking, about, thinking about Yeah. oh I hope I never talk to those people but it's like sometimes that's just happenstance of mm-hmm. life but I definitely I can see all of us trying our best and mm-hmm. you know that's, that's all you can ask mm-hmm. at this point in our lives because we're trying our best to make every moment count mm-hmm. to stay ahead and work to keep in touch with family to mm-hmm. You know, we're burning the candle at like five different ends here. So in terms of maintaining our friendships, I feel like we've all tried our best and we've done a pretty solid job. I don't see what more we could do, you know what I mean? At least not in the past couple of years with with the how volatile our lives have been. Um, you know, so much change, so much um, going on. I mean, I, I see a lot of potential. I mean, that's something I guess my mind works differently where I could easily see us, you know, once a year and just playing that out early enough so that we could do it. We just our minds are not there yet and we haven't tried to do that like, like a yearly thing or stuff like that so there's a lot of things we can do we just don't I think once we settle down more we yeah. can but like I said I between um, but we will like never settle down that's that's what I guess my point is that there's always going to be something we're going after once you get your lottery you're going to be going to test out your practice when I'm by the time you're probably a lot of you, I'm probably go, go back to school we're all going to have this influx lives that are not ever going to be in sync with each other ever again and that's the thing, is that our lives will always be out of sync. Our, some of our friends are moving to New York soon. Right. And they're going to live that kind of lifestyle, and they're going to be moving by the time when I'm ready to do stuff. I'll be like, taking the GOE probably or whatever. I'll be getting promoted at work. We're all going to have different high points, low points, because now we are living this chaotic lifestyle. Right. But that doesn't mean we cannot just, I guess, let's life now. Yeah, And yeah. we got to readjust, and, and we're doing better than most of our friends, where we hang out more and we have the group and all that stuff. But saying that we're all juggling stuff because we all will always be juggling stuff from now on. Our lives will be always constantly more busy than it's ever been in college because college is the, despite how many late nights we had studies, was the quietest moment of our lives because we all had synced up schedules. <laughs> yeah, more or less. More or less. We all had exams at mm-hmm. the same time. We more had degrees graduating at the same time. We all had these points in our life that were pretty regular that we all... Life was easy forced to, say, to sync up. It was easy to say, let's go see Avengers at midnight or let's go play Smash Bros. Because we all had exams the... Yeah. Fifth, six weeks and we were all lived close to each other. I mean, yeah. we literally lived together. So, so our lives would never be sick again. I mean, that's a conversation we could have when mm. it's time to have. I mean, it's just the, the thing is, um, like I said, I, I don't see anybody shortchanging anyone or no. flaking on anyone. You know, my parents paid for a plane ticket from Arizona to come spend Thanksgiving with me. I mean, I feel like we're all, yeah. and he didn't have to do that. He could have just stayed there. But you know, he, I mean, I feel like we're all trying our best mm-hmm. for sure. And as long as that effort's there, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm okay. I can have peace with that because. Mm. I know, I know ideally, I know uh, ideally we'd love to spend more time together, but I know realistically 
that's not always going to happen. But mm. I see the love. Mm-hmm. I see the continued love. I see the continued support. Mm. We're happy for each other when we're, su- we're successful. Mm. We keep in touch as much as we can about the big things. And so I just see that we're trying our best. If I, yeah, if I definitely saw anybody mm. trying to flake or shortchange any of us, I definitely would be alarmed by that. Uh, but I, I have yet to see that. I mean, I feel I like mean, obviously it's, it's only been two years, but still. It's, it's, I'm not worried about the shortchange and all that stuff. It's just the transition and it's the allowing transition to happen. And if this is the new transition, so be it. But that's us saying so be it. Like we still love each other, we all that stuff. And now mm-hmm. we're the Facebook friends that talk on a group and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And you see each other when the high points are life and that's not much different than just like we're like longtime friends now. We've transitioned to a different point in our lives. That transition's interesting to me, but it's not unexpected. Right, you, know, right. you know what I mean? We're not breaking the average. Mm-hmm. This is the average that I expect out of an X amount of friends that we will see each other when we have first kids, when we get married, when we get a house. Like we will see each other for those big moments, but that's what like it's a category of friends now. We're now in a category of friends of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, I mean, I, I mean, I see what you're saying. I guess I just don't. Like I said, I not that not that I don't wish we could see each other more, but I I don't see anything wrong with it. I'm just like we're. I don't see anything wrong with we're it. We're doing what we can. We, we're doing what know? we can, but we keep talking about being better. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that's definitely. not better. That's just, it is what it is. You I mean, know what I mean? You, you get where I'm coming from? It's like, the, these are the people that we will see once every couple of years. And we'll catch up and laugh and have a right. point. I guess what, I, what, what I mean when I say yeah. better is being better within oneself. Mm-hmm. Trying to help each other become better versions of themselves by humbling themselves and learning from your life experiences. What I mean by being better is mm-hmm. not making the same mistake twice. Because mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes. And I've made a ton. And I'm going to make a ton more. But I'm doing my best, and I feel like I've done a pretty good job of not making the same ones. Uh, all my new heartbreaks, all my new disappointments, I feel like are based on new dives that I took, new mistakes that I've made. Um, so I'm cool with that. Um, so that's that's really what I meant. I mean, as much as I would love to be and I, this ideal Greg group of friends who flew to see each other like once a year or things like that. And we, we all do want to go on a vacation, you know, mm-hmm. at some point, right? We've talked about that to go like to Europe or something to, to hang, you know, maybe but, hang out with but, Lake but those talks remind me of the talks of let's get, let's get lunch. Right. No, no, no. no I get what you're saying. But, Cause again, not all, but not all of us have yeah. the money, the time. Exactly. You know, so we stuff. have enough excuses to never make that happen. Eventually. But eventually mm-hmm. here's the thing. Eventually we will have mm-hmm. the money or the time and mm-hmm. then it's going to become, that'll become but, when but, shit gets real. That'll but, be when shit gets like, yeah. okay, now who's really mm-hmm. wanting to keep in touch? Mm-hmm. Who's really wanting to spend time together? And then of course we'll see, if or when that, that day comes, how hard everybody's willing to work to, mm-hmm. to hang out. So that's a, that's a t- TBD. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's my thing is that, yeah. that it's that this is, this is not anxiety, but this is the thing where this friendship is a TBD. Right. Because that's going to be years down the line when we actually try for real to go on a vacation or try and do something real. Mm-hmm. That's the next milestone, I because I think too much. I guess that's the case with most Those, people that are the, far away, though, right? Like, isn't it? Like, your relationship to that mm-hmm. person becomes TBD. Always, like if it's, if that person's far. But away. unless you choose a cadence that is agreeable with y'all, and the cadence right now we're going on, unless we do these vacations, that the cadence of let's see each other for bigger moments, and that's about it. And then we'll vanish from the last once we all get married. That's the trajectory I see us going on, which is not bad, but it's not good. <laughs> if you know no, what I mean? I mean, of course we all still want to keep in touch as much as we can. But but that's because we haven't had the let's try to make a vacation every other year or make, make a vacation like we haven't had a first trial yet right right i guess we'll know once we cross that bridge right mm-hmm. yeah i'm just wondering if i guess that's, that's how my brain works my brain works on i'm only better than my average right and i see my future i want to see if i 
keep doing what I'm doing right now. This is my future. Am I okay with that future? Mm-hmm. I see it. I, I draw a line out. And you say every day, you look at the macro scale of what you can do every day. You can work harder, eat, you know, eat, less, ba- eat less bad food, study more, <laughs> yeah. hang out with family, call people more. Those are the everyday things you do. Those everyday things you do actually moving your future in a, in a direction. Mm-hmm. I guess is how do you, you think about those big concepts a lot? In terms of what, the big life things? Like, like yes, the goal is to be a lawyer. Right. But then what kind of lawyer you got that? And then <laughs> what can you do now to make that reality even better? Like <sighs> if you have this magical dream, the La La Land dream of, opening, of saving jazz. <laughs> How am I going to save jazz, basically? Yeah, it's the building block of yeah. getting a stay-paying job to actually have money to open the book. Because you keep saying it, right. but it actually never happened. Mm-hmm. So like you can, we can keep saying that we're going to stay vacation. But if no one ever picks a date in the next couple right. years, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And a no point, one puts like the flag on the ground saying, this is the goal mark. At a certain point, we won't have an excuse. And then that's when it's put up or shut up time, I suppose, right? Yeah, the put up, shut up. So like there's, I, I guess, called mini put up, shut up goals. My mentality is of, of late. It's like my put up, shut up goal for this stupid thing is to do one of these a month. Just for myself and to prove that I can keep keep at it for more than three months because that's usually my burnout moment. <laughs> <laughs> for all of us, I think. And then but the idea is that you put up like goalposts in your in all your relationships, in my mind. Relationships, passions, dreams, and try to hit them. And if you don't hit them, you figure out why. That's the whole humbling and thing. So you put a goalpost that is sort of reasonable, but takes effort. Right. And keep doing the good stuff every single day, but if those things are built up to your goalpost, it's... Not meaningless, but it's, it's not. It's a wash, kind of. It's a wash. Yeah. You're now average. Yeah. yeah you, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. it's like walking out five days a week and then eating a Big Mac on Friday. You're or right. Or Baconator on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're right about that. I don't know. Is that too much rigu? Because that is a lot of rigu. I'm saying I want to put flag posts in every single thing. Nah, I mean, you should, you should definitely have the goals, whatever it is. In friendship or career or whatever, faith, love. I mean, you should set your own. Mm-hmm. Like you said, be reasonable, but of course, work hard towards them, work hard towards your goals, but also, I suppose, try not to... Is this, is this now debate now, I'm going to debate you on the difference between a goal and a dream? <laughs> oh, oh. Cause we, because we all, we all dream a lot, but are we actually pursuing our dreams? We can always say, I want to write a book, I want to be Twitter famous, I want to be this, I want to be that, <laughs> I want to see my friends more, and do this more, but are you actually doing anything about it? I guess a dream becomes a goal once you actually start doing something about it, right? Yeah, and we start saying milestones. Mm-hmm. And like, stuff that we do, call friends, call family, those are things to keep the lifeline alive. Because dreams are a someday thing. You someday. ever heard the word? That's, yeah. You ever heard the saying that someday is just another word for never? So dreams are like a someday, oh, but goal is mm-hmm. like, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna, you know, do this, or next month I'm gonna do that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you gotta actually set that shit in stone mm-hmm. um, to a certain degree. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Is that the difference? Is that simply it? Because in my opinion, that's okay, but that's... You can twist a goal a a goal into just a milestone very easy by saying, I want to lose five pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, five pounds to do what with it? Right, right, <laughs> They're right. actually pursuing a dream. If your dream mm-hmm. is to be a bodylifter, yes, losing five pounds is a stepping stone to get that. But losing five pounds, just lose five pounds, doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Just like saying, hey, we have an imaginary goal to contact our friends once a month and say hi, say what's up, check it up on them, but it's not growing anything. Or becoming a better person. It's not being a better person. It's, it's the status quo. Right. It's not leading, building up to anything. It's the law land thing of the lighthouse. You play the lighthouse all day long, right. but you're not actually changing anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> you're, you're loving the moment, loving every single moment, but it's not 
building, it's not growing, it's just the lighthouse. There's, there's a lot of things we can name off that is just keeping the lifeline alive, keeping the dream alive. I not actually so. going toward the dream. Um, I don't know, man. I guess it all depends on how, how much you want something and how hard you're willing to work for it and what your definition of success is. Everybody has a different definition of what success is. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it's just that I... People ask me all the time about, you know, me being an attorney, like, mm-hmm. next year and what I want to do with that and what my goals are with that. And I just kind of want to be fulfilled. Like, I don't want to... I don't have in my head, I have to make this much money or otherwise I'm a failure. I have to work at this firm or get this job. Like, for me, I just want to... I just want to be fulfilled and have peace and know that all the hard work I did, all the hard work my parents did to put me in this position and to to sacrifice all that they sacrificed to allow me to realize what I'm capable of, my potential, that it, it all is all paid off. You know, it all meant something. Everything I did meant something. As long as I wake up in the morning feeling happy about where I go to work and, you know, what I'm doing, the bottom line figures don't necessarily matter, whereas other people will measure their success by money. And also I measure it by definitely how much I bless people's lives. If I'm adding to value to their life, making them happy, am I allowing myself to be humble and, and try to, you know, be a better me for them. And uh, am, I, am I helping them be a better them? Like helping them realize their areas they can improve and, you know, be, be happier, fulfilled versions of themselves, friends, family, you know, etc. I mean, that's for me, that's my goals. Those are my definition of success. That's my, that's what drives me every morning and every day, trying to be there for people, be comfort, but also be a, 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 source, a, a source of challenge, a source of, betterment uh, for people and for me so helping others but helping yourself too and yeah, helping yeah, others is part of being happy but that you and all be all you have other things to do yeah and i can't help others if i can't help if yourself. i can't help myself either like I, I can't just be constantly how can you be better how can you be better because then that's hypocritical that's narrow-minded that's mm-hmm. not it's i have to i have to look that's not humility we talked about it's humility Ex- to exactly walk yourself because people too. aren't going to want to listen to somebody who thinks they have it all figured out mm-hmm. and is talking down to them is condescending is pretentious mm-hmm. i i have the source has to be someone that also feels as though they genuinely feels as though they need to keep improving as well Mm -hmm. that way it's not one person is improving the other or has to change something and the other person oh i'm perfect i'm fine like you're the one that needs to change no it's like let's do this together Mm because people love to feel like they're not alone in something Mm -hmm. that they are into in it with somebody else you know that that sense of unity that sense of camaraderie and, and community to humble yourself to say hey how can i change and then other people see that and you see inward to them about hey like maybe this is something that you know we can grow together or be better about together that's people hold each other accountable people um when it comes from a place of love and humility that's more likely to evoke real lasting fulfillment and change as opposed to i got it all figured out you need to be more like me like "Eh," that's that's gonna push people away that's gonna hurt their feelings that's gonna cause them to cling to their ways even more people hate being told they need to change just straight up because then they're going to cling to their ways even more you know as with everything they have so how would you phrase it hmm? how would you phrase it uh it just depends on the issue the person your friendship with them just kind of gotta let it know that it's, it's coming from a place of love and support not from definitely not from a place of criticism or rebuke or uh, resentment hostility because then people sense that and they just you know they tense up and they they definitely don't want to move from where they are they plant their feet in the ground I mean, say, that's nah. that whole BS thing of intervention. When your friends go into intervention, they're going to yeah, say, that, like, that, too. You know, that was, has a higher chance of saying, no, we're not doing this because it comes from hostility. But at the same time, you have to catch it. So this is... It's tricky, right? It's, it's a tricky a really place. really tricky. Because mm-hmm. you can't come too early. Because you come too early, you have no evidence. 
Right. You're just speculating. You're speculating. You're paranoid. Right. Back to the so, paranoid thing. The overreacting. Yeah. You're yada. overreacting. But if you yeah. wait too long, yeah. your emotions are too blown up that you can't say it in a simple manner. Right. There's a, there's like there's a narrow window of actually making change. If you miss it, because I felt like I've done it before. I missed it before. I, what I've told That's, somebody off, asked them to change. Yeah. I've done my bluntness by day too late or too early. Right. And they just said, fuck you. Happens a lot. A lot because that's how my personality. You've passed the people. point of like credibility and, yeah. and being able to reach out and yeah. help from a like what they perceive to be a loving and humble place, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it all it all depends, man. It all depends. I mean, it's just that's why I try to be. I don't know if I'm always good at it, mm-hmm. but I always try to be just as kind and as as just. I feel like I'm a very. Fa- I'm obviously I'm biased. I only see the world from my own eyes, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm a very fair person. Mm-hmm. I treat people the way they treat other people, mm-hmm. and the way they treat me, and so. You know, I'm not unnecessarily mean to anybody mm. or rude to anybody. Mm. I don't think. Again, then, this, I'm, I'm purposing this with, I see the word from my own eyes. So I try to be as fair and just and as gentle as I can. So that way, if it ever comes a time where I need to get real with someone about something, they see the source as, oh, it's, you know, it's Matt. Like, he's a fair, just, kind person. Like when, So that way, my words will carry more weight. So that way, it's more, of, they see that it is, if you're a sincere person all the time, then people see that. You know what I mean? As opposed to being more than one version of you, that's, that's just exhausting and that's that causes people to not take you seriously in terms of a friend or in terms of a source of support or criticism or things like that. So I'm just the same me, always. Hopefully that's you know endearing to people and that way whenever, if I ever have to do get real, it's like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's coming from a place of love. He's, he's always very supportive, very kind, very honest. And so if he's saying it, I know it's not trying to hurt me i know it's not trying to be rude to me it's, it's trying to help me you know what i mean it's like you got to build that every day it's not just something you do once it's something you do every single time you're with someone or every single time you're out you know in the world but see then this is the thing if you, the, the issue with being just though is if you looked at a deficit of justice to give you know give equal measure to someone sort, sort of. of like sort a fair of. like a fair outcome what's fair the most outcome. fair and reasonable outcome basically mm-hmm. but like the technically speaking the fair response to an asshole is to be an asshole Technically right. speaking, you could say no, that. No, and I, again, that's what I said. But I treat people like if I'm, but but it, but we don't do that. I've never seen you be an asshole to an asshole because that you were kind to them. We said calm down, dude. and that's not just. That's technically being. I don't know, you man. know, like that's I've not had just. my moments. Like <laughs> you I, moments, if but, you ask, like yeah. in all of them, like they'll, they'll tell you moments yeah. where I like had a bit of a temper about something. Like mm-hmm. I definitely can be that way. Or at home, mm-hmm. you know, my siblings. Like if one of them's acting up, like mm-hmm. you know, or being rude to me or my parents mm-hmm. or something, like. Well, I definitely, I definitely tell them something, and I, I definitely get a little heated, because mm-hmm. um, I'm a passionate guy, you know. But you start um, off nice, and then you get heated. Well, well because yeah, well, because it's like I. It's a slap on the wrist before you actually. Kind of, yeah. sort of, it, you know, because it, like I said, I treat people the way they treat others, mm-hmm. and um, and the way they treat me. And if they're treating others in a in a what I perceive to be a rude or a, you know not very nice way, of course mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just all a matter of. I don't know. Um, just is a hard term for me to grasp. No, and it, 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 bro, I'm a, yeah. You don't have to tell me. I'm, I'm. I go to law school. I mean, just is a hard. That's what we talk about every single day. What's the most just outcome? What's fair and right? So we don't even grasp that a lot of the time. So I definitely feel you there. Like, it's not always an. In, it's a gray area a lot of the times. But for me, I try to. I try to do the best I can to. And, and that's amazing. Man. That's all. That's all we can do because we keep saying that. Yeah, it's all we can do. You know, mm-hmm. our best really. Can't do any more. Can't ask any more or less from somebody than, than their best. Because if you're asking less than that, then you're shortchanging them, and you're shortchanging you. And if you ask for more, that's not fair. A lot of people, if they're trying, 
that's that's half the that's more than half the battle. A lot of people don't even get to that point where they want to try, you know. So if they're trying, just you know, continue to encourage them, continue to to let them try and, and get there because most people don't give enough of a shit to even pretend like they're giving an effort <laughs> or they pretend they're trying. We've talked enough, maybe. Unless you want to talk about something else, I probed enough. I think we got a lot about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We got we got pretty good. Music. Kind of the wrap up of this, I usually ask is. You, I usually keep this in or keep this out is the title of this episode. We talked about a lot of things. To kind of wrap up, it's kind of the main thing we talked about is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, relationships in general. This whole episode has been about relationships and how to relate to people and how to deal with things. Right, for sure. But what else did you remember from us talking? Because we've rambled for a bit. Uh, I mean, you know, ideas of friendship and ideas mm-hmm. of what it means to self-improve, to mm-hmm. what it means to... Uh... Be better absolutely be a better be your better you mm-hmm. help others become best version of themselves mm-hmm. and um, be, and a better you comes from humility I, oh 100 percent. yes absolutely it has to come from within um it can't it for me uh, it can't come from anyone else or something else outside of yourself because that's that's all artificial that's fleeting that doesn't always last i want to be a better me because i want to get that job mm-hmm. i want to be a better me because i want to get some kind of wor- if some kind of worldly goal is the basis or the driving force behind your quote-unquote humility that's fleeting that does not last it needs to come from within yourself and it needs to be because you want to it comes from a place of love and you know you want to see the improvement in yourself and in other people not in some tangible worldly benchmark that once you reach it what will be your driving force then well i mean you know something new i mean that's artificial that's all fleeting that's all you know it has to be your genuine desire when no one else is looking to just look yourself in the mirror and say how can i be better for me and for other people because if yeah if it comes from something of this world things of this world are temporary and they're fragile and they're hollow and at their very core so you have to be and it has to be rested in something else besides that but then the irony is that in order to be humble you need a community around you something fleeting because communities change. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. And you need the community of people to say, to catch you on your BS. That too, that too. If you get too high on your horse. High sure. on your horse or to bring you up when you fall off your horse. Mm-hmm. You need a community around you. Yep. That is, in, by definition, fleeting. We talked about that of convenience and communities change over time because that's how Circumstance, life is. Circumstance, yeah, we move cities and we leave school. So in order to be the better person, <laughs> you have to believe in something that is... Re- sound resolute which is just love in yourself you gotta love yourself to be humble exactly it has to be for you first for you first but then you need other people to be for you it definitely helps (laughs) it definitely helps because if you don't have people in your life pushing you to be better you and who don't want to be better versus themselves you Mm -hmm. get that'll help you get complacent one way or the other we reflect the people we surround ourselves with they were Mm -hmm. surrounded by complacent people that complacency will become contagious you know Mm -hmm. but if you see people if you're trying to serve people who strive for more Mm -hmm. That becomes contagious. That yes. becomes exciting, and that becomes something that you can do together. And that becomes something that you want to so take surround yourself it. with people who are passionate to change themselves. Yes, absolutely. Passionate to be better and, and to mm-hmm. achieve more, and to help you achieve everything you can. Let's see the best things in you, because we see the best in each other more than we see the best in ourselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, we we see the worst in ourselves. Uh, we see the worst parts of us, right? Because we know each other better than... We know ourselves better than anyone knows well, us. Well, we think we do because our memory... Sort of. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And then so it keeps us from having this... like To see all the great things about us sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So we have friends and family who see those great things and want better for us because they see those great things that we might not sometimes see. So it's like 
you got to be able to have that community that way you know you see the best in your friends and your family and so therefore you you're going to hold them to a standard that for out of a place of love that makes them want to elevate and achieve everything they can achieve personally and you know financially occupationally whatever and then they in turn do the same for you but if you have a bunch of complacent people happy where they're at content not really wanting to you know strive for more just kind of going through the motions then you know you're going to be stuck in the same place um, as a person and just in, in life Last stupid question, just so I can have consistency somehow, even though this, I'm still learning this. <laughs> so I named the stupid thing Insufferably Human. Insufferably Human? Yeah. Do you that's, like it? That's awesome. And what, what do you like about it, I guess? I mean... Uh, what, what, what does it make you think about, I guess, is the question. Um, I guess it makes me think about um, how Insufferably Human. Well, I suppose... I mean, we just, we, you and I delve into all the things that make us us, you know what I mean? That make us um, humans in terms of relationships to people and, you know, what's on our hearts and how we approach life and how we approach friendships and relationships and all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, and how it can be hard sometimes, how it can be kind of tricky. It's so, we, we went a lot of time over that, like how it's so tricky to know what someone's really intentions are behind a... You know, when they say they care, when they say they want to be around, really they might not. So, I guess that's um, that's what I think about. I think it's a very appropriate title because, you know, we're just humans trying to navigate the difficult um, things that life throw at us one at a time. Um, sometimes all at once, you know, it depends. But, um, you know... At our very core, I mean, that's just all the—it's all all those things, all those uh, struggles, and everything. That's what makes us us at the end of the day.